When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Celtics Late Night. Ben Ballas here alongside Jake Eisenberg and Wayne Spoony. And what a night, guys. The Celtics get back on track a little bit here. Marcus Smart rolls into town, brings the good vibes with him. Jordan Walsh gets his first NBA bucket. Wayne Spoony also able to join us thanks to a rare early game from the Seas. Spoony, how's it going, man? Good. Happy to be here. Um, here he is. All right. I don't want to sound like I'm whining or complaining, but... Please. For a 40 point win, it was kind of an unimpressive performance. Yeah. Right? Is that crazy? <laughs> no, no I mean, they, they didn't play well at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Tatum started hitting pull up threes and we're like, okay, the game's safe now. So that's See, fine. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> like they're playing a five foot eight guy on Porzingis. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it was only a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work somehow. Dude. Even, even Tatum like posted him up and took like a 16 footer. And I was like, can we just. Put him in the basket, dude. Like, I, I guess, like, in theory, he can't see him. So, like, that shot is even easier than it normally would be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they they played better than they did against the Lakers. So, that's sure. fair. Like, like turnover, like, we didn't see nine turnovers, like, off of feet. Uh, I guess it was later in the game, but Drew Holiday literally just bounced past it directly to an opponent in the zone, which... Oh, Drew. Oh, Drew. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to Drew. But before we get to the game, uh, because it was yeah. a, a very nothing game. It just like, thank yeah. God they just took care of business. Yeah. They rested their starters in the fourth. The game went along as planned, other than a weird stretch in the second with the Drew and the bench lineup where we kind of let it get close there. Um, even though we did actually even up the, the rebounding balance at that same time. But we'll get to all of that because it matters a lot less than the Marcus Smart experience jake i'll start with you just broad broad approach here were you satisfied with tonight's marcus smart experience i was i was i think the bar of two tributes throughout the game is like that shows that you're above your average single video tribute player which marcus Smart absolutely is like dame got two uh tributes for his return to portland Mm -hmm. and like He's maybe the greatest blazer in the history of the franchise. So that's if, if you can meet the same level of as Dame, how they nailed it. You've got the the in-game on the court highlights with the first tribute. And then I mean, is has there ever been a better way to describe Marcus Smart than a hero among us? I mean That's right. <laughs> the man himself. It was beautiful. Uh, yeah, I thought that was awesome because it's usually like somebody in the community or something like that, which Smart very much was. Like every mm-hmm. time you go on Twitter. He's like taking a picture with a sick child. The man is an absolute saint. So yeah, I thought it was good. I think my favorite part was when they're like the, the, the crowd busted out the thank you Marcus chant, yes, like yes. randomly throughout the game. That was like really awesome. I mean, the coming home, I just think they did him. Uh, it was a worthy tribute to smart. And I feel like he felt the same way. It looked like he was getting a little emotional at one point too. 
Yeah, Mike Gorman as well on the call coming off that first tribute. You could hear his voice cracking quite a lot as well. I don't think he, he was holding back as far as how much the moment meant for him. But yeah, especially for me, that Heroes Among Us thing, that's like the key distinction between Marcus and all other celebrated former Celtics. The fact that they, they slotted him in there as well, that sort of like properly highlights the community aspects of his impacts on the Celtics beyond what he obviously was great at on the court as well. So that was really cool. I, I have to say... I was a little surprised at how unfazed I was personally, which I was I was yeah. so shocked. I like fully expected to be welling up on the playback essentially <laughs> because you know, like I remember the day Smart got drafted. We've we've been on the roller coaster, such an insane, brutal roller coaster ride that like I've lost figuratively like limbs on this roller coaster. It's, it's been that crazy. And yet, like, all I could think about was, man, we got KP and like, that's the, that's unlocking the championship for the Celtics. And like, that's what it's all about. And I'm so locked in there that it was like, great to see you, Marcus. I love you, yeah. buddy. But like, I couldn't quite let myself get like swept up emotionally in the moment. Did you guys feel that at all? I, I definitely felt emotional, but like, yeah, man, I, I think I moved on pretty well. I grieved um, in the midst of, being on pace for 64 wins with like the best net rating in the NBA and like the best Celtics team since 2008 and watching Kristaps Porzingis play at this insane level. So that definitely helps with the healing process. Like if, like if KP comes in and like tears his meniscus in like the first month of the season and Marcus comes back, let's say he plays in this game and he's doing like all the Marcus smart stuff and like, it's a tight gritty game. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would have cried during during the yeah. tribute, but, but, but like you know, we we even Marcus said it in the in his presser. Like, if if I was making those decisions, I would have made that decision as well. So, I think everybody's in a pretty good place with it. It feels like like it was incredibly emotional when it happened, and like to the point where I'm driving and just thinking about Marcus Smart looking off into the distance. <laughs> it's just so, like, so to go from that to here, I think definitely speaks to how well the Celtics have played this year and how we haven't really felt his, uh, the loss of his presence. Have you ever had like a good relationship, but not like you just know you weren't going to get married and you like date yeah. for a couple of years, maybe you live together and you're both just like, I think it's time we just go our separate ways. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I felt like with Marcus. Like, it's just time, dude. Like you said, a roller, you can't ride a roller coaster for the rest of your life. Sometimes you got to get off, right? And go get totally. some food. So <laughs> I, I just, I think that's part of it for me is I'm, I'm with you guys. Like I thought it would be a little more emotional than it was. And I think part of it is just like, Hey, we're both in a better place now. Like, you know, we're both happy. Yep. It's going to be fine. And KP has 26 points and dominated yeah. for stretches of this game. It makes it pretty easy to yeah. like move on, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was very fitting when we, we cut away from the Marcus Smart tribute and, you know, Gorman's, you know, a little emotional and everything. And then we cut straight to Chris Asporzingis, catch the ball, high post, turn around, curve ball, like bucket, yeah. the kind of bucket that yeah. no one on the team last year could get. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Right. Like, I'm enjoying the process here. This is this is good. Yeah. So we love you, Marcus. But um, I suppose we should do a quick around the room, and maybe we've done this, you know, ten or twenty times already on this show over the years. <laughs> Never enough. But um, favorite Marcus Smart moments? Is there anything that comes to mind? I've got one queued up. If nothing comes to mind for yeah, you guys, you jump jump in, Ben, and yeah, we'll go it. after you. Take twenty sixteen playoffs Hawks series. It's the series we're going up against Al Horford, and he subsequently oh, said, yeah. like, playing in the Garden during that series is what made me want to join Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart and and become a Celtic just because of 
how insane of an environment that was to, to play in as a road team. But Marcus Smart in that series, guarding Paul Millsap, the only part of our <laughs> roster, the only person on the team who could... And we had some bigger... We had a Zella, one variety of Zella. We had Kelly Olenek on the team, but Marcus Smart was the only person who could lock down. And I, I say that genuinely, lock down Paul Millsap uh, for a few games in that in that series. And that we, we knew who Marcus Smart was as like a first to the floor, general, you know, defensive anchor culture guy, but I don't think we had known that he had the ability to to guard that far upwards positionally. And he put that on display in that series, put the league on notice and just further increase the the love bubble that we're all living in for Marcus at that time. It was great. So I've I've just pulled up like the the box score and stuff from that series. So firstly that lineup it was IT um Evan Turner, Jay Crowder, Amir Johnson, and Marcus Smart came off the bench in that game. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. Interestingly, it's like, and he goes off, he has 20 points, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals, uh, team high plus 24 in, like, that's just an ins- ridiculous dude. Like, so there's nothing more Marcus Smart than, than that. And, like, that's what's crazy is he was so important, so impactful for so long. I forget how, like, he came off the bench for most of his career, like, career here until, yeah. like, the Udoka season. And... Probably incorrectly in, in hindsight. It, like we probably should have been empowering him earlier uh, to try and become the guy that he kind of ended up turning into. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that series, man, like, yeah, that was that was like, that was a moment for, for Big Marcus. It is, it's a, a shame this play was not in front of fans, but the Norm Powell chase down block. Oh my God, dude. Oh, dude. was yeah. like everything about Marcus Smart, right? Like he has to sprint down to even catch up to Powell. He makes an incredible defensive play. I think he even got the ball back after yeah. it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically to win the series. So just a massive play. God, I wish that was in front of the TD Garden. It would have <laughs> oh. been in Toronto anyway. I was, was going to say, uh, yeah, th- yeah. technically, yeah. But yeah, but, but yeah, dude, like off off the back of a JT turnover, like mm-hmm. in a series that we should have gone up three zero, as opposed, and it's like, oh my god, we we've already started thinking about our chances of making the finals, let alone, which is kind of encapsulates the Marcus Smart era a little bit as as well as just like just everything had to go down to the wire where we needed Marcus Smart to do just Herculean like things towards the end of these games. But yeah, he he was incredible. Like I actually liked that that game six in that series just as much where they go to double o- like I didn't actually enjoy it because we lost right. the game and I was legitimately like on the floor after we lost because double overtime uh yeah but Marcus has 23 11 10 assists a steal like just such an underrated playoff performer like there was definitely moments where you know he struggled and teams always left him open which is why uh the Drew fit is is so much cleaner. But yeah, Kenny Smith in the in the chat here, the the Kawhi steal, uh, diving into the scorer's table, throwing it off Kawhi's leg. I mean, yeah, that was sick. Yeah, the the Cobra strikes where someone like Dennis Schroeder is walking the walking the dog, walking the ball up, and he just like f- completely lays out and steal and steals the ball. Like, there's just c- countless countless times where he's made ridiculous plays. Yeah, and you the guys mentioned charges. Oh, so, yeah. charges. No, no, of I course. Mean. That's like that's the moment of yeah. moment moments yeah. on the on oh, the yeah. smart Mount Rushmore. Um, and you guys kind of touched on it, but just Maestro Marcus, the Maestro Marcus yeah. season and a half. Um, but particularly under um, Ime Udoka there, where he was just fully unlocked as like the orchestrator of the offense. It had some crazy, sick, like amazing highlight passes behind the backs and no looks to Al Horford and to Jalen and in transition, just some really good moments where it felt like his like true 
point guard skills were unlocked, unleashed for a moment there. And they've since gone away. Hopefully we see them again, um, albeit not against the Celtics. Um, but that was a lot of fun to see. It's <laughs> like another skill set emerge from a guy that we yeah. already love so dearly. Um, okay. What else? Uh, Smart uh, said... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say that one more of this, like, he had the franchise record of threes in that, like, it's the Phoenix Suns Oh, yeah, at home. 11? <laughs> and, like, yeah, to, like, keep them in the game. Yeah. And and then the last play of the game, Brad Stevens draws up this beautiful ATO, which leads to a wide-open Gordon Hayward, like, alley-oop, like, his head's at the rim. All he has to do is just, like, lay the ball in, and he just completely blows it. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Just, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Like, Tough. even last year, everybody talks about game six in Philly, Tatum exploding oh, in the yeah. fourth quarter. The only reason we're in that game yeah. so Tatum can win it is because Smart was monstrous in that third quarter. He had, mm-hmm. like, tons of floaters and little pull-ups. So, I mean, dude, he was one guy, you can say, he was better in the playoffs always. Yeah. And he had his faults. Yes, some of those amazing passes also were balanced mm-hmm. out with some Shaq and a fool passes too. But <laughs> of course. He's just the best. Yeah. It's the Marcus Smart yeah. experience. But it was a great yeah. day and we got to celebrate the, the the life and times of Marcus Smart as far as his uh, tenure with the Celtics is concerned. So that was a lot of fun. And here's Jason Tatum talking about Marcus Smart's time as a Celtics post game. Jason, before the game in the locker room, you asked Marcus Smart if he was going to cry during that tribute video. I feel like he held it together. What were the emotions like for you having him back in the building? Uh, it was great. It was great to see the reception that he got uh, you know being here for 10 years he was heart and soul of you know this organization uh, and people showed their respect and love today uh, he deserves it he deserves it all so uh, it was just good to see him you know obviously I miss him uh, so it was just really good to see him that ovation just now for Marcus as he walks off the floor what does it mean to you to see the way that the fans here react to him and and his return it's only right Man, he, like you said, he gave his blood, sweat, and tears every single night. Um, he left it all on the floor. He was a huge part of the success that we had for so many years. Uh, so, you know, I say, I say all the time, for, for the longest time, he was, he was by, for sure, the favorite Celtic um, on our team, and rightly so. Uh, so, it was good to see him get the love that he deserved. I think it's only fitting that. I think it's very telling that you've got your, like, what, five-time All-Star, multi-time All-NBA first-team player there at center court, and meanwhile, the crowd is just going completely apeshit yeah, for an next Celtic in the background. Very, very telling. <laughs> uh, should we get to the game? There was a game tonight. There was uh, a game. Where we did win by 40 points. We kind of said it was a nothing nice. game. Um, yeah, I, Spoonie, do you, wanna, you kind of touched on it earlier. Do you want to finish that thought where it was kind of a, a nothing game, despite the, the bounce back, at least in the win column? Yeah, like I don't I don't want to go too far and be like, well, they played poorly. I don't think they did by any means. But look, who the hell were they starting at center? <laughs> I I looked him up. I already forgot his name, Jemison or Trey something Jemison, like that. Trey Jemison, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's a start, start a career character on 2K. Yeah, he's a procedurally yeah. generated NPC. <laughs> I looked up his college stats. He averaged nine and eight last year in college oh, as a cool. senior. He didn't even crack double digit points. So like a, a slightly below average Celtics performance with, you know, basically healthy other than Jalen is going to lead to a 40 point blowout against whatever that team Memphis was rolling out. But uh, there's one stat I'm going to I think I'm going to start tracking this, but the starters had a 2.57 assist to turnover ratio. And I want to see if like, I bet you, cause like 
it's really the problem with the starters when the turnovers get really bad. Um, so look, they took care of the ball as much as they needed to. Uh, Tatum went absolutely nuclear, and I thought they did a really good job at picking mismatches for KP, which there were several of them. And he was, you know, the shot was going a little bit. So kind of just like a professional, hey, let's not go crazy here. Let's not get tired. Let's not get hurt. Let's just put this team away. Other than the second quarter where it got a little sketchy. <laughs> well, it was weird. Like the, it's weird. Like the second quarter got a little sketchy, but then we finished the second, the first half with a 20 point lead. So yep. it was like, and Tatum hit those two step back threes, pull up threes, like late in the quarter to, to push it out to 20. Wait, you're like, okay, we, we know what that means. Like those types of shots, they, they weren't excellent, but the, the biggest difference between this game and the Lakers game was at least the turnovers. And like, if you're not like they had three turnovers in the first half. And if you're going to do that against a team like this, you're probably going to be up at minimum double digits, if not 20 points. And they were two of those turnovers. Of those three, attributed to our good friend Drew Holiday, um, which I'm starting to I'm starting to turn into salty shake on Drew dude. Holiday. Yeah, breaking bad over here. Yeah, and <laughs> honestly, and, and honestly, think it's kind of deserved. Like, so, but we we can get to him. But you know, Tatum and KP, I mean, and Derek in the first half were kind of the story where mm-hmm. Tatum's eight for thirteen. Chris Tapps, I mean, this match this matchup was just unfair, really for. Yeah. For for him and his number should have been better. He missed like two just wide open dunks or bunnies or whatever they were in this game as well. And so he has seventeen points in the first half on eight shots, which, which is just stupid. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. Like they, they had someone my height out there. I don't know if that's just not going <laughs> to work, dude. Uh, yeah, Tosan Ev Boomwan was out there. Uh, that's yeah. He was he was always going to go this way. KP had a few good looks at the basket from three as well in this one that he just completely yeah. missed. That that shot really is wavering a lot throughout the season. I really hope that he can find some consistency there through the playoffs because it, it may be the difference between, you know, like four, five game series and six and seven game series, just the reliability of that shot because the, the process in finding that look, we've got that down pat. We find it time yeah. and time again and it helps that he's like, you know, in the stratosphere compared to any defender in the NBA. Um, but we've really, we've really tightened that up. And it was something that we were addressing on this show early in the season that we were a little bit um, sluggish in, in getting him the ball on time and on target. And they've really nipped that in the bud, but the shots aren't going in. So it kind of doesn't matter. And he had plenty of good looks tonight and they still weren't going in for the most part. Two for five. Yeah. I, well, I guess it maybe just speaks to who I am as a person, the way I watch the game, but the three clankers off the rim are the ones that really stick in my mind. And especially when you factor in the shot quality of the misses, like they were good for the most part, open looks. And, uh, you know, I, I think he needs to be, Hitting those with more reliability, I think, for, for at least me personally to be satisfied. Maybe, maybe I'm alone there. <laughs> well, like you're right. Like he needs. To, like we want him to be like closer to forty percent than where he's at. He's at for the season thirty three. I just, I think today, if you if you guys, I honestly think the number is too low. Still, like mm. two for five. I yeah. want. I I would want him to be closer to seven per game. Like, and I I do wonder if his usage goes up. He has seventeen overall shots in this game. So like, considering he plays twenty seven minutes, the usage is kind of exactly where you want it. That's kind of perfect and makes sense with uh um with Jalen out I mean Mitch he, he is kind of like a career third like 40 percent three-point shooter so to the chat here saying his shot's too flat so um I do think that it's something that will kind of normalize maybe the volume and typically when volume goes up the percentages don't go up as well but um I just feel like he needs more shots to get more of a rhythm um 
So, but wasn't he thirty nine point five percent last year? Um, so I think we're 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 splitting hairs here, guys. But um, he can shoot, and again, and again, yeah. like that's much lower than like what he's shooting this year on. In theory, really good quality. So, uh, or thirty eight point five, so thirty nine percent last year. Um, so yeah. It's uh, a, I, go ahead go ahead ben no no oh, please right. I, I was gonna move on so if you've got someone on KP, <laughs> oh yeah I mean, just really quick i i also think it is kind of a difficult balance because part of why he's so valuable to the celtics is because he gives us that low variance offense and he's getting that in the high post down low um and so like do you want him running primarily pick and pops and he does seem a little hesitant to just like fire but then sometimes he's just like oh there's a hand in my face i'm gonna shoot know, this yeah. one mm. and then he passes up the wide open one so i i think it's tough it's probably just something that'll work itself out but yeah i think we've all kind of agreed we'd like to see his overall usage tick up as the season goes on i haven't haven't checked it lately but he was a pretty distant third in usage behind the Jays. So I mm-hmm. wonder yeah. what that's up to nowadays. Yeah. Well, Jay- I was like, <laughs> his, usage, his, his usage is going to go up in the playoffs. I think, I think his usage is going to be like, that's going to be part of the game plan. Every, every series, a part of the offense. It's just more consistent. Like he's just a consistent use of the offense possession after possession. And so like whether, and not even necessarily him shooting, but, I remember like when he first got here, even in, in even in the preseason, like he was just setting a, a bazillion screens. Like he was just involved in every single action. That's not quite the case kind of in game, in game out. But I think once we get to the playoffs, that is going to be the case where it's just like every action's a, a KP pick and roll, pick and pop, short roll, pop. It's just going to be, um, yeah. And okay, well, everybody's, everybody's trying to call me out on the shooting here. He's shooting like a very <laughs> low relative to... He's actually up to 35 here. And so career 35.8. He's still down relative to where he has been for his career. And that's purely from like the last three or four weeks stretch. Right. And so like because most of the season he's been at 33. And in theory, right, he's supposed to get some of the best looks of his career playing on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, hard not to imagine that the usage... Not skyrockets, but, you know, increases significantly in the playoffs. Even like watching the game lately and and tonight, the Grizz came out in zone for a few possessions there, just trying to get some form of a stop on the season. You just watch him be like, there's KP. There he is. He's slashing across the paint. He's open at the nail. Like, get him. And like, they don't even get him the ball as much as it's obvious to us as like relatively to the coaching staff on the Celtics non-ball knowers. Um, so like the looks are there, the obvious for him. I would I would like to think that there's a, a conscientious like okay, well let's just like ease off the gas on KP a little bit. Uh, Jake giggling here as I, as I get into my anxieties about no. the Celtics health. Um, you know, let's not go too hard on, on pausing us because we're going to need him for that higher usage in the playoffs. So do you think that factors in to some degree that they're actually consciously trying to shy away from him a little bit to preserve him? Yeah, I, I wonder. I mean. It- Posting up's hard. It looks like it really sucks to have to post up a lot yeah. in a game, right? Like even we've on even a seen Tatum. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like he's up in your, you know. Well, yeah, dude. He's yeah. in the, in, in yes. the freaking tailbone, in the in the whatever the bottom vertebrae is, right? Yeah, in the freaking. Yeah, yeah, man. So yeah, that's probably part of it. I think Tatum's been posting up less recently too, probably yep. for that as well. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, who cares, man? We're playing Memphis in Jan or February, whatever the hell month it is. Like, yeah, that's don't, don't post up too much, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of the feel of the team lately. Is it like we don't want to do the things that are hard? And I get it, but it's hard 
to accept that when we're like tr- trying to claw our way towards the one seed and like we're so like we're really legitimately close to just locking it up if we're able to build a tiny bit more separation and so it's like just keep doing the things that help you guarantee wins because like yeah of course you're yeah. still gonna win at like a 55 game win pace when you're shooting are you when you're like 10 to 15 percent lazier than when you're playing at your most focused mm-hmm. like they're they're 11 and 5 or 11 and 6 stretch everybody's talking about in january they're like oh you know zach low concern troll etc etc um that's still like a 53 win pace and like we can feel them kind of struggling through that so it's like if they can you know take this softer stretch Maybe like, well, I don't know. Do you guys want them to be doing the hard things more often, or are we like, we know they can do it, and so it's fine? Like, I, I kind of lead towards a, a blend of the two. Cop out answer. It's like I want it to be obvious when they're taking the easy way out, and I want it to be obvious when they've decided to take the hard way and win the right way. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. I love Super Bowl Sunday though. It's actually Super Bowl Monday here in Australia. You take the day off work along with your two other friends who like American sports. The pubs open nice and early for a 10 a.m. kickoff. It's a beautiful thing. I'm picking the Chiefs this year who are slight underdogs, but I just can't not back Pat Mahomes. With FanDuel, you can also take the over on Chris Jones and Nick Bosa sacks at plus 200. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets that expire after seven days. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. I, I just want to want them to be healthy. And I think they've, de- they've, de- they've demonstrated that's, their abilities. That's number one. Enough, right? And so I, I would like to think, yeah, when we have a game like tonight and you're like, oh, they just didn't seem to have the, the grit and tenacity that we would like to see from them. The the mind sort of defaults to, at least in my case, you, you find excuses, right? And Occam's Rogier is that they're taking it as, as, as easy as possible to preserve oneself um, for the playoffs. So I think it's probably that simple. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with them taking the foot off the gas, but my one concern is that can build bad habits, mm-hmm, and sure. that, that's exactly. what have killed them in the past in the playoffs. So I just hope they do it in such a way that it doesn't get ingrained in how they are just playing basketball from like here on out. <sighs> it's it's yeah, like, never I, easy. Like, it's never easy, even from like our I've perspective. Got, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jake. No, no, like I've got my guard up because yeah, like. Remember last season, we were so close to clinching the one seed and we needed to beat the Wizards and KP dropped 40 on us and we got blown the fuck out. Mm -hmm. And it was like, and that basically cost us the one seed, which meant that we had to play Philly in round two as opposed to playing, well, um, it would have been the Knicks in in round two. And who knows? Like, who knows? Butterfly effect, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But like- and we would have had to play Miami in round one, but who knows? Maybe we beat Miami in round one, and and then we end up making the finals. Like you, you just you just never know. And so like 
we have we have chances now. Like people are talking about the schedule easing up. I hand up jinx the Celtics by talking about a fourteen game winning streak. Mitch in the chat here. We've got Hawks, Wizards, two Nets. There's a Heat game in there as well. It's like yeah, I agree. The schedule's going to get lighter, but it's like, do they take their eye off the ball here? And like that is the the problem. You're talking about these habits. It's like. That's what cost us game five in, Adla- in the Atlanta series. What's what's cost us game one against Philly. And that's the reason why those series go six instead of five and seven instead of six or five, really, in that Philly series. And like that right there is probably the difference between making the finals and not just being like extra rested going into their Miami series. Mm-hmm. And so that's what scares me about like dropping these games. Cause like in a vacuum, these, cha- these, t- these games don't matter. Like these, like Denver didn't play like they cared for a whole month towards the end of the season last year and cost themselves the one seed, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not, I forget. But um, like they looked like shit for a whole month and then they just went 16-4 and four in the playoffs and didn't matter. This Celtics team doesn't have the luxury of a team like that where they have Jokic who is like by far and away like going to end up a top 15 player all time. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like they, they need to – their margin for error doesn't exist like it does for some of those other great teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. And sticking with trying to imagine what the team's mindset and approach is when we have no idea, you have to imagine the short term. That's just like, okay, the All-Star break is coming up. We've got a relatively easy schedule leading up to then. Like, yes, we don't want to take our eye off the ball. Yes, we want to make sure we're playing our best basketball when it comes to the playoffs. But in the short term, let's just get to that fucking break, man, because it's so close. And we're playing, relatively speaking, dog shit teams between between now and then. this was a just to touch on this very quickly. Like it was a pretty good Jason Tatum game. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> and you, you mm-hmm. mentioned the step backs earlier. This is maybe just me, but those are to me earned looks. Those are earned step backs. You know, because he's earlier in the game, he's getting downhill. He's getting guys on his hip, and like there's a couple of times where he's just like dismissing guys with his off arm, off the dribble there, and like getting very easy looks at the bucket um, and just attacking the defense um, the way that he should. And then subsequently, he, you know, snuck in a couple of step backs. They started to go down because he had gotten his eye in, for lack of a better term, playing the right way initially. Uh, and then they start to go down, you know, in succession, in multiple succession. And uh, suddenly he's on pace for like 60 points before we had the, the luxury <laughs> of pulling him because we're up by so many points. So great Tatum game. We got to see some... Tatum KP connections in this one like more so than we normally would I was talking about during the playback that because we didn't have the cookies and cream factor as part of the game we got to see maybe what will be the more natural game winning connection between two players between Jason Tatum and Paul Zingas because uh, like Jalen wasn't there cutting his grass again for lack of a better term Um, (laughs) is is there something to read into for that as far as like Tatum and KP connecting more with Jalen out yeah I think so just because Tatum's just going to have the ball a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm with you. I think like the future playoff offense for this team is probably foundationally Tatum and KP. Yep. Um, and look, hey, it looked really good. Imagine that when you have two incredible offensive players running a two-man game, it's going to look great. So Tatum's passing's like kind of sneaky clicking up here. Over the three out of the last five games, he's had seven or more assists. And I thought like that second quarter run like he he just like started putting his head down. He wasn't really like finishing, but he was just like cracking the defense, moving the ball, swing, swing. White had a, a corner three on one. And it was like he he just decided, OK, I'm just going to take this game over, even if it's not by scoring every possession down. Like they just couldn't stay in front of him, obviously, because they were starting yeah. guys who weren't good in college. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he was just like super in control by far clearly the best player on the court 
Yeah, uh, the, the the Tatum passing has definitely ticked up lately, and you know that's kind of what Tatum has been doing his whole career is getting better a little bit. And like you, you often expect some of these improvements to come at the beginning of the season or early in the season, but like kind of makes sense. So maybe we're seeing like like Jalen earlier in the year, like a bit of a playmaking leap. Obviously, small sample size here recently, but Tatum's playmaking has been excellent. His turnovers have been down. I mean, some of the passes on the pick and roll tonight to KP were Ooh. were filthy. And so I absolutely agree. The foundation of the, the playoff offense, should it's really KP. I don't care who's running the actions. It needs to be with KP, but like Tatum, KP, pick and rolls, Derek, KP, pick and rolls, then Jay. That's my hierarchy personally. Um, maybe you have Derek and, and KP at the one and the two, uh, like kind of interchangeable there. But as long as KP is involved there, just it, it just makes things so much simpler and probably goes back to what you're talking about, Ben, about like, do we want KP fucking screening 50 times a game, banging bodies, running up and down? Like, let's just chuck him over there, shoot a few threes, um, post up here and there. He's still one of the most efficient players in the NBA while playing like, elite defense on the other end. So we're probably, we're probably nitpicking in the grand scheme of things here, but it is nice today, especially even though the other team sucked to be like, shit, these two guys is like, can just absolutely obliterate another team when they're really locked in. Mm-hmm. Well, not even that locked in when they're like semi locked in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Locked in enough for the, for this yeah. particular roster on the Grizzlies side. Um, look, Walshy, we will get to Walshy. Boy, will we get to Walshy. But before oh, we yeah. get there, we'll save it for a little bit. This is this is the late night show. We're run sheetless. We're rudderless. We will chuck this up on the podcast feed just because I think there's enough uh, thirsty mouths out there for, for oh, Celtics absolutely. content, as we, especially as we head towards the trade deadline. We will have a trade deadline preview show in a couple of days time. Then, of course, the trade deadline live stream in the hour leading up to that deadline but for now with regards to this game and before we get to Walshy anything else stand out to you guys like I thought for example Derek White flashed some vintage Derek Whiteness he had a couple of looks where he got downhill and like hit some of those floaters that we had come to expect him to hit on a regular basis in this game he kind of got back to that a little bit had a couple of good like easy threes it just kind of felt back he settled into his own Derek Whiteness again Spoonie is that is that fair (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think so. I thought I have in my three lines of notes here, quietly yep. effective Derek White game, like 15, yeah. three and three, five of 10 shooting. Great defensively. That block he had was freaking sick, dude. dude. Come on. I, I, it's a shame. I think Memphis got the rebound and immediately yeah. scored, yeah. which was a shame. But he was really solid, man. I mean, just like that's what he is. That's who he is. Like we had that little rut, the post JJ rut, but he's back. Yeah, he, he's definitely settled back in lately. The wonky floaters are going in. Yeah, look, the mistress. We're kind of we're kind of back into uh, back on here. Um, we gotta we gotta bring the mistress. Uh, speaking of, uh, if, if you haven't joined the oh yeah uh, first of the, if you haven't joined the first of the floor Discord, um, please join the first of the floor Discord. It's very fun. We're all in there and like. We, we're seeing some disturbing things coming out of the meme section, thanks to Heisenberg. Um, and if you haven't seen this, I mean, <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. It's genuinely terrifying and hilarious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. And, but, but, you know, he's right. He's just perfect. He is just Derek White. He just feels like he's kind of back to settling into just making the right play. And some of the, the legitimate rim protection this guy is providing – as a 6'4 guard is absolutely outrageous. Like the the transition defense, maybe that's the biggest difference between this game and the Lakers game. There were still some moments early, but like the transition defense for this team hasn't been a problem at all. And 
not to get too sidetracked, but like the whole threes versus layups thing. Um, you really, once you pay attention to Joe's comments, like about layout, oh, was it Zach Lowe talking about how people inside the Celtics say like, when you miss layups, it leads to transition opportunities. Whereas you miss threes, you can set your defense. When you really lock into that specific thing, it's very obvious. And like, when like, and in the playoffs, if you can, if you don't give the op- opposition any transition opportunities, and this with this defense, it's going to be so hard for teams to like con- consistently manufacture buckets. And so, no, no, just I just just something I I kind of noticed to, to like after paying attention to that specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Derek White, perfect four from eight from three. Back to his fifty forty ninety ways of life. <laughs> Good game for Al Horford, a plus 27. Yeah, man. Tied, tied at the top there with D. White and Jason Tatum. Uh, On twos. On uh, twos for Al. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Get down low. Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> and it's just beautiful. 23 minutes, which might be my favorite yeah. stat from, from Al yeah. Horford tonight. Um, as far as the productivity, we can't say the same thing about Drew Holiday, who um, on a bit of a, a stretch here of, of mediocrity, I think is, is probably the right word for it. Like he hasn't been yeah. terrible, but he's been noticeably out of character, I think is is fair to say. Um, Jake, I'll, I'll throw to you because you've, you've really emerged as salty Jake the most when it comes to things <sighs> of, of, of matters of Drew Holiday. So take it away. <laughs> he's He just, some of the... Mistakes that he do are just so confounding, head scratching moments. Like tonight, you know, he the the Grizzlies are in a zone, and he just <laughs> sorry. This comment here for audio listeners: the tub is filled with Horford juice. It's perfect. That's a lot. That's a lot of Horford juice. Um, the 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 Grizzlies are in a zone, and like Drew literally throws a bounce pass. It wasn't like an interception directly into the stomach of the yeah. defender. And it's just like, these things are just becoming a little more common lately. So like that one, the eight second violation when you're, you're bleeding the clock in the Pacers game where Drew just like starts going behind the back. And then it was either a, a turnover or, a, you know, back, uh, back court. And that leads to like having to do the Derek White block in the corner and the Jason Tatum block at the rim. Whereas if that doesn't happen, then the game's effectively over. You have the uh, backcourt violation on the first possession of the Miami game. Like it's never good. I'm never going to get it out of my mind. And no. <laughs> like it's it's just so like this is a big game, national TV against our rival, and you literally just say what? Like I don't even know. So like these things are just popping up. Obviously, we have like the the out of rhythm pull up threes, but I'm like. I'm becoming okay. I'm like, I've gotten to a place from okay with it. Cause he's just, he's just shooting 40% from three. So it doesn't really matter as long as the shots are going in enough. Um, and then the, and then defensively, he's just like, he's getting blown by on the perimeter a fair bit yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And like, yeah. we've got to make sure he's on bigger guys more often. I think Sweeney. Yeah. I, 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 maybe part of it's the schedule and he's just yeah. getting a little bit worn down. Joe's not doing him a ton of favors with the lineups. I feel mm-hmm. like he's shared minutes with like some of these funky bench lineups, like these weird double big lineups, but that, that like that doesn't explain some of the ridiculous stuff. Like the Miami backcourt, I, like that is the most insane thing I've ever seen in the NBA. I think, like, how does that even happen? But regardless, putting that aside, he's had eight or fewer points in his last five games. Like, he's just, you know, it just feels like he's just kind of 
losing what we I thought he had gotten. I thought he was getting more and more comfortable as we went. And it, we've really like backslided here in his role in the offense. I will say feels like he does come up with like timely run stopping buckets at times. Yeah, like I think he had one layup today that we just like really needed it. And he just posted one of their guards. I might have been Gilliard up and just went straight to the rim and got a bucket. And he hit a corner three that I think was like stretched the lead to basically end the game. But I don't know, man. It's kind of worrying, to be honest with you guys. Yeah, it's it's like relative to his place in the team hierarchy as like basically the fifth or sometimes sixth best player on the team. It's not that concerning or alarming to me, but relative to his reputation and his contract and the expectations of what he would be and, and bring to this team when we did make the trade and bring him in, it's a little concerning and, and frankly, like disappointing. And, you know, we sort of naturally we clutch at straws and look for excuses as to why the guys aren't going, you know, balls to the wall all season. We just talked about hopefully it's because they're preserving themselves for the latter part of the season and the postseason. With Drew, they seem like more mental mistakes, which you should still be able to maintain like your mental clarity and approach to the game throughout the stretch of a regular season, even if you are, you know, saving your legs. Um He's not doing that. So it, it is concerning. I'm worried and like I don't see a way out of it. And obviously, we're speculating massively there without fully understanding what's going on with him and just how he views this juncture of the season and his role on this team. Like, there's a lot of variables there, um, but it's it's one of the more concerning aspects of the team as we look ahead to what we might look like in the playoffs. So, fortunately, there's a lot of hoop left. I, I do think you got kind of on that on the track there, Ben, with the role, though. Like, in the playoffs, again, everyone's... The rotation is going to get shorter. The roles are going to be even more defined. Like... I think he's going to really fall into like fifth on the like hierarchy. And it's like, you're a legit catch and shoot guy. And we're going to like obvious mismatches. Like if you've got Dame on you, I still like him in those spots. Like he's, I still mm-hmm. like him to post up Dame, post up Maxi, post up Malik Beasley, post up Garland, post up Terry Rozier, a hero. Like you can still find those mismatches. It's like, there's, there's definitely value there, but in, like, I'm still, I'm a little worried, but like he's gonna, he, his impact is it can only be so much when he's the fifth guy on this team. It's going to be Tatum, Derek, Jalen, like, and KP really taking the bulk of the shots. So, like, it's just, I just have visions of like the Brogdon in, uh, pass turnover in game one of the Philly series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Still too soon. It's still too soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, uh, yeah. the defense, man, is like, yeah been great at time like you said it jake like he's getting blown by a lot like kind of inexcusably at times too from some of these guys that are beating him and it's like it's fine if we figure it out in the playoffs on offense and he's just a corner shooter and i think you're right i think that's what'll happen but like if he's not a plus plus defender i mean that's like concerning absolutely yeah and like you talk about extension stuff it's like you don't want to extend this 33, 34-year-old as the defense has felt like it's slipped a little bit this year. But mm. again, that could be the schedule. And like yeah. he could absolutely be worn down, which would not be surprising where. Um, but yeah, like he, he really should be on the, the Al Horford plan more so than he's on the Jalen Brown plan. And like the last time I looked at the minutes per game, I feel like he was like kind of higher than I then I need him to be like, he should be fourth on the team in minutes, Jalen, Jason, Derek, and then drew as opposed to like drew. I'm pretty sure um, if I pull it up here. Yeah. He's second on the team in minutes per game. Obviously it's close, but it's like, why is he playing 
two minutes more than Derek White and not the other way around where he's playing 1.2 minutes less. Like, obviously, that's a rotation thing and mm-hmm. maybe I'm getting a little too granular with it, but he's the guy that would make sense to me that he should be playing less minutes, not to mention the fact that Derek's better. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we adjust to that thought um, after the All-Star break. And he's one of the guys, maybe at the top of the list, who like, I, I can't wait to have the all-star break off and, and get some time and get some rest and uh, and get his mind right for the final stretch of the season. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts as he learns more about uh, his role on the team. Guys, should we get to it? Let's, let's look time. at the moment yeah. right here. We'll be in trouble here. Here we go. Oh. oh. Okay, Moshi. Got to lock in. Oh, great right. recovery there. Beautiful. Beat him the rock. He's open. He's got it. Yes! Let's go! Woo! she Let's go, dude. Uh, it happened. It go. happened, guys. We've had to wait a very long time. We did it. Basically two-thirds of the way into the season, Jordan Walsh, <laughs> Spoonie, gets his first NBA bucket. Walk us through, because you featured in the chat there on that video, but you weren't up on the stream with <laughs> us. Uh, walk us through your Walshy debut bucket experience. Yeah, first of all, can I just say, Ben, you said it was like you were playing 2K and passed it to him because uh-huh. you were like, give it to him. Yeah. And it's an immediate pass <laughs> yes. to Jordan Walsh, so, which game. I quite enjoyed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, first of all, great box out on that defensive ah, possession. Incredible absolutely. box out running like I don't, a gazelle. Get, that, gazelles aren't fast enough. A cheetah. A yeah, large a cheetah gazelle. It's very majestic. Gajita, and like kind wow. of a really nice, like strong move to the rim. Like puts it on the deck, goes I think two footed, and just like smashes it home. Like there's like all joking aside, there's a player in there. hundred percent. Like okay, dude, I'm a hundred percent sure that he's better than Banton. That's not even a question. No, he's no. definitely he's better than Lamar, and he's probably better than. Then's fee. Like, I get that it makes sense to have him in the G League because like he's not gonna get real minutes on this team right now. But I'm like not even hundred percent sure he's not gonna be better than O'Shea at this point. Like, um, that might be pushing it, but I wanna I wanna I want more, dude. I'm tantalized. Like the the on target pass passes, like he didn't lead to an assist on the first one, but he get it in got it got it in the corner, could have easily pulled it. Drive, drove the closeout, swung it to the top of the key for to Hauser, I think it was, and they swung it one more time, and and and, and it was a it went in and he had this the other assist like the the playmaking is legit like I mean well, not like they're gonna run yeah. tw- ten pick and rolls with 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 Walshy, but like he can like <laughs> I'd like to like, sec- <laughs> like second side drive closeouts make the right play. Um, I don't know, man. It got me so hyped, dude. And I just, this just makes me want to get the one seed immediately so that we can just get more and more. But this is a big deal. Eight minutes, 33 seconds, he comes in, which is by far the earliest he's come in so far. I think the early other time was three minutes to go. Uh, Last time we had a blowout, there was six minutes to go and we still had like Hauser, Pritchard, Cornette, and then, and then like the other parts of the bench came in. And so we only got three minutes, eight minutes. That feels like a good sign, but man, these guys must hate Walsh or like they really want to try and put some stuff on tape for other teams to sign them next year. Mm -hmm. And can I just say, Delano Banton, let me give you some advice. You want to put less (laughs) shit on tape. Let me tell you that right now. You want less stuff on tape. You know what's going to look better is if you pass the ball to Jordan Walsh in the right spots. Hey, Svee, maybe hit Jordan Walsh when he's like streaking down the sideline as opposed to throwing a two seconds too late. 
plate into the top of the backboard. Oh my god, I was losing my fucking mind. <laughs> it was the worst hoop, dude. It wasn't even close. <laughs> uh, Jesse Almeida in the chat has just uh, sent us via Twitter. This is the Jordan Walsh experience from inside the arena earlier tonight. I would have absolutely beat me. Just absolutely losing, yeah. losing my mind at, at Walshie's debut bucket. We've got some good picks of have come in over Twitter after uh, after this moment. So there's Walshie celebrating yes. with the fellas. Very uh, very prideful look on his face. Luke Cornett is yes. uh, absolutely stoked. And then we've got Walshie with the game ball after the game. Yes. He said that yes. a couple of people tried to steal it from him after the game, but he made sure he got his uh, <laughs> massive hands on it. So uh, yes. really good to see. It's, it's so interesting how we went into this game with the mindset of like, this is all about Marcus Smart. I've got my tissues. I'm, I'm ready to cry. Real uh, man tears uh, watching this game. And by the end, yep. it was tears of joy watching uh, Walshie soaring above, <laughs> above the clouds there for his first NBA bucket. Uh, good stuff. Uh, anything else on this game or Walshie or Marcus Smart before we go? We'll get to some Embiid news and the upcoming schedule and then we might call it quits guys well i want to ask you guys about walsh like do you do you think that there like is a reason to try and get him maybe not soon but like can he play over Svee, banton and and um i mean lamar's not playing and i guess really banton and Svee aren't either but like find ways to sprinkle him in on some of the on like as we get to this lighter stretch here yeah, I think they definitely want him with Maine so he can just take like 20 shots a night and get he needs to be able yeah. to make corner threes. Not he doesn't need to shoot 40%, but he's got to be like 36, 37% and be hey, willing to Hey, percent's out there. there, man. He can't shoot corner threes. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. He made one tonight, I guess. It wasn't a corner, but um yeah, so I I think like they want him there, but there's no reason you can't um yes, Steven, this is live. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Steven. I was like, "Hi, Steven." <laughs> Um, but there's no reason you can't bring him up for a night where against a team like this and it give him some minutes. I'd like to see him. He's the type of guy that is going to up his game when he has players like Tatum yep. and Brown and Porzingis around him. He needs someone to take the defensive attention. And if he can, you know, make it the occasional corner three and drive closeouts and make the right play defensively he looks as advertised in these small Ooh, stints too. Like he moves crazy. his feet. Ooh. Come on. Yeah. Got over the thing. Yeah. yeah. Andy Big plays long hard. Arms. Come on, <laughs> dude. I, 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 dimensions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree with Spoonie, though. Like, uh, demanding that Walshie sit on our bench all the time so he can play the, like, Delano Banton role or the Lamar Stevens role or even the O'Shea Brissett role, it's more about us and our needs than it is about him yeah. and his needs, where it's, it's all about volume and experience and minutes on the court. It's like, I'll say to my wife that's a, a beautiful dress you look absolutely stunning in that dress we should be like it's not comfortable i'm not going to wear this dress around the house all the time that wouldn't make sense i'm going to wear something a lot more comfortable well she can't wear the dress all the time all right he's got to get around in some sweats and uh, be comfortable in life so i'm sticking looks, with that analogy to, to be clear well she looks good in anything um <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So just to clarify <laughs> yeah, i had no idea where that was going i don't know how i'm gonna uh, land this plane no, no, no. well landed no Thank no emergency that the, the oxygen masks didn't come down everybody oh, was everybody was, <laughs> the stewardess um, was waving at me from behind the screen yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i think just like like you can do both right like you want him playing in every right. main game and that's definitely going to be more important um but like when it's possible for him to be with the team and not be with main <laughs> then he should be up there 
a tough Ben Iso from Ollie in the <laughs> yeah, chat. Yeah, I got the bucket. I got the, the bucket. Step back. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's like the no, no, yes shot from, from Drew right there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you should be able to do both. And I think in these blowouts, in the, in the moments where it makes sense to put one of the deep bench guys in there, he's hopefully there as much as possible. And again, this is what like second to getting the actual important guys to win a title rest down the stretch in the regular season as like the number one reason to get the one seed as soon as possible. The second reason is to get Jordan Walsh minutes because once they, if they're able to get a six, seven game lead, then why not you play him like the actual O'Shea minutes in, in some of these games against some of the lesser opponents with Tatum and these guys, just so, just so we can be happy. I think it's really the important thing here, but it'll yeah. be good for him too. Yeah, I would like to be happy. Uh, did you guys yeah. you hear uh, Scal use house money like Sam's yeah, Drew dude. Carter on the broadcast? Yeah. I wonder if we can get them using Walshy. I wonder if we can make Walshy part of the, the common Celtics parlance as well and nomenclature. Well, I'll have to keep keep pushing that. Um, oh yeah. All right, let's let's get to this Joel Embiid news because it's it's yeah. unfortunately sad news. There's the the tweet from Woj, and of course my I can't read the writing on my tiny little screen here, but basically <laughs> he's undergoing some sort of procedure on his meniscus, and we're still unclear what the recovery timeline is. Obviously, that's brutal. Dude was having an incredible incredible season. Uh, and was objectively fun to watch as much as I despise the Sixers. Don't know about and- that part, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, enjoy, don't enjoy all the free throws. Um, it's obviously yeah. sad news. Um, it does uh, make things interesting in the Eastern Conference landscape as there's a lot of jockeying for position seating-wise under the Celtics there. And if he does come back and they haven't closed that window... Jake, you were talking about this in our Discord last night or the night before that there exists a scenario where we might face them in yeah. the first round of the playoffs with a healthy MB uh, potentially having well, returned by that point. Yeah. Healthy-ish. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, thoughts on this situation. I, I, my mind just, I can't help but wander back to just how this has been mismanaged yet again by the Philadelphia yeah. 76ers. Yeah, it just sucks. But again, though, we, we still really know, like, I think the information we've had for the past week has been pretty much the same where it's like, at minimum, he's going to be out. Four weeks would be like the absolute best case scenario where it's like really the, the soonest is probably like six weeks. And at that point you come back in six weeks, that takes you to like right before the playoffs. Um, and can he ramp up in time? It's just, and then even then you think about like the, 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 the different procedures is similar to what Rob did, like with the trim of the meniscus. It's funny how NBA fans have become like, meniscus experts over their, their their careers here it's like do you do the trim and you come back earlier like rob which by the way risks the long-term health with arthritis you don't really know when that could pop up and with someone like Embiid, it's hard to balance it's like every year when he's playing like this is like one of your best chances of winning a title but you also don't want to compromise his long-term health because you want that window to be as long as possible so is it going to be the surgery where it's like let's call it five, four to six weeks or is it the surgery where he's going to be out like for the rest of the season and like they're being very like careful with trying to like leak certain information like we don't even have a lean either way like i'm sure they know right now like what the most likely scenario is but they're not sharing that with the rest of us and that's fair enough given how impactful and how emotional Sixers fans and everybody is about the situation yeah um so i, I will say I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit mean first like this guy can't ramp up to play playoff games when no. he has an entire regular season to get himself in shape. Like I am very skeptical of his ability to be highly effective in the playoffs. If he's going to be coming 
off of knee surgery and he's seven foot two and 300 pounds. Like mm-hmm. if I, if, but yeah, you I can't say, do cardio while you're prehabbing. Like, yeah, you can do the yeah, little arm, arm paddle machine. That's all you can do. <laughs> it's I've done it so many times. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like if I was the, and look, I want to beat the Sixers fully healthy. Like I don't want like, Oh, well, Embiid was half, you know, he wasn't healthy, but I hope he comes back. I hope he's healthy and I hope the Celtics beat him. Hmm. Um, but if I was the Sixers, You've got a lot of tradable contracts. You've got a decent amount of like tradable assets. You could kind of change your entire team if you take a little long term view of this trade deadline or even the offseason where uh, I think they can carve out a lot of uh, salary cap space, too, which you will probably not have ever again for many years. So um, I would probably just punt this year, frankly, but then Embiid certainly doesn't want to do that because he's like 28 and just has a massive knee injury. So his, his time is ticking, man, for sure. So it's a shitty situation. It really sucks. Hope he comes back healthy and I hope we sweep him. He'll be 30 in March. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is a hell of a season to punt, but also I fully like um, align with your logic there, Spoonie, because if the alternative to, to not punting the season and regathering assets and shaping yourself up for next year, it's coming back with essentially a hobbled Embiid, even if he does recover from the surgery based on his on his reputation there, Jake. Yeah, and I think taking a long-term view is probably the smartest thing. It's just... What are the chances he's able to really get into MVP form again between now and when the playoffs starts? It's like, and then it does depend though. Like maybe this, like whatever the short term thing is going to be the best thing for his long term health. Like we, it's just, we don't quite know yet. Right. Um, but like, and they've got this uh, cap max cap space plan, which um, I'm talking to Trill Bro Dude, who we had on the podcast. Um, in the summer, I might, might get to try and get him on for our trade deadline primer. Awesome. Um, he just replied to me uh, before here. And so he's been on the cap, the max cap space thing as a complete lie. And they're going to really be aggressive at this deadline for um, for the future because free agency is kind of, kind of died a little bit lately, especially for like top tier mm-hmm. guys. So th- they could easily lay yeah. I, I think they're going to want to still be competitive, though, even if, like, they, they sit and beat down. Like, they're not going to want to just, like, throw away the season. Like, they're going to try and, and at least build for the next year or two. So, I would expect them to be aggressive. They've got assets. But, um, yeah, it's it's a bummer, dude. You want to see, like, one of the top five players in the league, one of your, your top rivals, a team that you, you kind of typically play really well against as well. Um, but, yeah, I also don't want to see Embiid in the first round, even if he's, like, hobbled. Like, no. that's not something you want, dude. Like, Embiid, Max, even if he's, like... Remember, like, Rob in the finals, game on, game off, when he was on, the Celtics were a plus. And, like, mm-hmm. if Rob was able to play one more game or, like, four more minutes each game, do we, like fucking win the series like i still don't want to deal with joel and beat in round one it's like no it's not ideal yeah that's the thing that I, I grapple with from a fandom perspective is like of course i would never wish injuries upon anybody and i genuinely hope that he's okay and that he recovers quickly but at the same time boy am i glad that potentially that's like one obstacle out of the way or at least limited in its ability as far as the celtics getting to that championship i think it's okay to exist with that duality in mind like yeah, you, yeah. You, you have it's natural to have some relief over like, like oh okay we yeah. might not have to face a full strength MB like that's that feels good in a sense while also feeling horrible about his situation. Like if a genie came to you one day and was like, "I'm giving you the option to 
tear so-and-so's knee apart. I'll just magically do it. Like, I'm as much as, like, a part of me is going to consider saying yes. Like, I'm just going to say no. Like, like I'm not a psych. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad like, that was your oh, choice. Look, I, oh, I'm, a, I'm a human. I'm like, I'm going to, like, like, think, like, it's going to come up into my brain. It's just a thought. Thoughts are just thoughts. They're not They're not actions. Like, a thought has never hurt someone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, what, are, what are you actually doing? And I did. I, I chose uh, the genie to empower Jason Tatum with 40% shooting from the three-point line in the playoffs instead. Like, just, you know, five more um uh you know reasonable request and so um yeah none of us really like want him to be injured but like objectively like it's better for the celtics for mb to not right. play in the playoffs right that's just a fact and so yeah all right we got to wrap this thing up before we get to the upcoming schedule the bucks were up on the jazz by 20 ish points by 20 yeah yeah now the jazz they've gone on a 27 10 fourth quarter up five with four minutes to go so let's wrap this thing up wow. so we can we can catch that for a shot of oh. a look for the next pod um but look upcoming schedule very quickly we're in the slot here guys we just had two days off now we've got another two days off before facing yep. the hawks who have been surging as a stretch but they've been better lately the hawks than the wizards the heat the Nets, the Nets, and then we're at the All-Star break. So, like, there's, again, a stretch. I don't want to say there's hope on the horizon because there's obviously a lot of hope going around with this team and and, and their (laughs) prospects, but um, there's a nice break coming up and a nice, easy, soft landing as they arrive at that break as well. So, thoughts on this upcoming schedule, Spoonie, other than, like, I'm relieved with how easy it might be, hopefully? Yeah, I mean, and I'm personally relieved yeah. because the last month has been like extremely busy. Insane. We've been yeah. cranking out content. So, you know, it'd be nice to, for us to get a little bit of a break. Agreed. Too. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my wife will very much enjoy it. I can tell you that much. Uh, until she has to spend more time with me. And She's like, oh, like, actually go yeah. back to the cell. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, it's good. I hope that they remain focused and like you have a pretty good chance to sweep your way to the all-star break here. And like to Jake's point that you're going to go a long way to like locking up the one seed basically before March starts almost. If you just pick it up, play your game and concentrate don't lose focus just because you see that long break in the very near future and because a lot of these teams are not very good yeah man like just we can do this like even if like we lose the heat game if we can just beat the hawks wizards and both nets games also the nets game is a back-to-back one in brooklyn one in boston just so dumb well fuck it what are we doing here Mm -hmm. um that i guess that just must be like they have to make sure we get an even home road, but why is there not a gap in between? I guess the all-star break starts the day after the Nets game. Could they have not just played it the day after? Mm-hmm. Like very odd. Um, but like, if, can we get out of here with going, uh, what is it? One, two, four and one, assuming you lose the heat game. Obviously you can win that game as well. The Nets may have traded half their team uh, by the time we yeah. get to the two Nets games as well, by the way. So that's something to keep an eye on. Honestly, same with the Wizards. They could have like Danny Avdia could be on the Celtics. Who knows? We'll, um, we'll talk about that later uh, in the week. But, um, and then the heat could have traded for, for, for who knows? someone awesome. They've got the assets and to kind of make a move as well. So yeah, we'll get out of here. The Bucks have blown a massive lead. It's a uh, 115-108 with three minutes to go. One and nine. Okay. Let's uh, Kelly Olenek to the hole. 
up 11. <laughs> Linux okay. to the hole. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Linux. Yes. Let's go. And one? Did you get an and one? No, no and one. No and right. one. But there we All go. Right. This is looking gotta, pretty good here. We got a 32 to this. nine run. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. All, All right. right. Let's fucking wow. go. Look, we got a big, big rest of the week coming up with our trade deadline primer in a couple of days. One last sweep through all the possibilities that might uh, occur for the Celtics. And then we've got our trade deadline special in the hour leading up to the trade deadline on Thursday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. This has been another episode of Celtics Late Night. This will go up on the podcast feed. Uh, so thanks to everyone listening later. Uh, love yeah, everyone yeah. for joining us in the chat. This has been a lot of fun. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.